the podium. From NBC Sports and Vox Media, this is The Podium. So let's get into the head of Sean White. The shipper of the United States. Lindsey Vaughn, this is her chance now. And I'm your host, Lauren Shahadi. Welcome to day eight of the 2018 Olympic Winter Games. Today in Pyeongchang, some redemption for Nathan Chen. He landed five quadruple jumps in his free skate and Olympic first. But it wasn't enough to make the podium, and he finished in fifth place. His teammate, Vincent Joe, finished sixth, with Adam Rapon in tenth. In the women's Super G, Lindsey Vaughn finished with a disappointing tie for sixth, while the Czech Republic's Esther Ledetska pulled off a stunning upset to take the gold. Next week, Ledetska will make more history by becoming the first Olympian to compete in both skiing and snowboarding when she races in the snowboard parallel giant slalom. And more close calls for the Americans today in Pyeongchang. In slope-style skiing, Maggie Voison finished fourth. Her teammate Devin Logan, the Sochi silver medalist, came in tenth. Reporter Tim Struby made it out to Phoenix Snow Park to watch women's slope style in person. He joins us in studio on the podium. Tim, you've been waiting for this. You've been marketing it on your calendar. I have indeed. And the only word I can use for today is perfect. It was cool. It was sunny. It's good news. Okay, so I need help. I need a crash course of what, you're laughing at me, of what <laughs> slope style skiing is. You do need a crash course. But um, instead of a layman like me trying to answer the question, I think we should hear it from one of the experts. Slope style, a lot of people don't know, but it's kind of like a skate park on skis. That's Team USA's Devin Logan. You have a course made up of handrails and jumps. Nothing is required to be hit. You can have a different run than everyone else, which is awesome. And when I got to Phoenix Snow Park today to watch her in action, I ran into someone who knows her better than most, her dad, Jerry. It's her 25th birthday, so we got to see her last night. We're very excited to see her compete today. Devin, I've interviewed her many times, and she seems like one of the most laid-back athletes I've ever met. Is she a competitive person and we just don't know about it? The best way I can describe it is she definitely has a lot of drive and determination. She pushes herself, as you can see with the training regimen, all season long. She does double duty with slope style and half pipe. So I think she kind of keeps it inside her and handles it pretty well and just tries to, as you said, chill and try not to internalize and get nervous too much. I also sat down with Logan a little earlier in the week and got a deeper look into both her career and her life. I actually wanted to be a ski racer, but my brothers wouldn't have that. They told me they'd disown me from the family if I went alpine. So I actually grew up doing traditional moguls, big air, and I even did uh, acro skiing, the ballet skiing. The last year it was around when I was six years old. So I got a little bit of taste for that. But when I was about 11 or 12 is when I started transitioning uh, more into the park scene, doing the half pipe and slope sound, just fell in love with that. So there was a product innovation essential to the growth of free skiing, twin tips. The Solomon. <laughs> Solomon 1080s. Exactly, that's it. <laughs> Can you describe what they are precisely and how they affected the sport and how they make free skiing possible? So the tip of your ski is rounded, so they basically made the back of our skis rounded so we can go backwards, what we call switch. It kind of makes it a little bit more exciting. Um, but, yeah, and that's, that's the main part of our sport. You're going to see us go forwards, backwards, 
it just gives a style and a creativity of our sport and that's why it's so unique and cool because everyone looks differently doing the same trick but making it look to each their own free skiers you know both half pipe and slope style and and the entire scene is often referred to as a rebellious discipline in a sense is that true and it's so explained why it has that label we're definitely the rebellious ones i mean being able to have the freedom to do kind of what you want within the run and not have everything critiqued to a T. So I guess that's why we're pretty rebellious. And I mean, there have been many debates coming back to our sport being in the Olympics, how it's going back to, you know, the more traditional route with the judging and just being formatted in a way where the guys before us went away from that. But where the sport is today, I feel like being on the Olympic stage is just growing our sport at a rapid rate, and you're seeing more kids get into it on the American side, internationally, especially people coming out of the woodwork now just because it's an Olympic sport, and it's brought so much more to free skiing. Now, the competitive spirit in the free skiing community is a bit different than in other sports. There is this camaraderie between free skiers that I think is unique to a lot of alpine sports. Yeah, I remember in Sochi going into our last run, you know, I landed my first run and that's all I had left. And Dara Hal landed hers and it was better. And I just turned to her and I go, yo, you just won the Olympics. And she's like, no, don't say that. Don't say that. I was like, I just did the run I did. Like, I have nothing left to give. Like, that's so awesome. And just like, you know, even now, um, my my teammate Maggie Voice and just won X Games, and I was at the bottom, and I was like, everyone needs to move. Like, I'm getting to her first, and gave her like the biggest hug because it's so awesome to see other people push it because it pushes you to do better and makes you a well-rounded skier. Creativity is obviously essential to free skiing. You've been doing this a long time. This is your second Olympics. Uh, how do you stay creative? I stay creative because, you know, you get the inspiration from your fellow competitors, snowboarding, surfing, skateboarding, all these different sports that you see where people are doing different things and kind of taking their own path. And that's what's cool about slope style is no course is the same. Devin, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Devin Logan is the first American skier to qualify for both slopestyle and halfpipe, so she has another chance for a medal next week. Tomorrow in Pyeongchang, the men get their shot at slopestyle. And Gus Kenworthy will be there. He won a silver medal in slopestyle four years ago, and he's hoping for a repeat performance this weekend. He broke his thumb in practice earlier this week, but he says he's still ready for competition. He's used to the risks that go along with freestyle skiing, but... That doesn't mean he doesn't get scared. No, I think that you definitely feel fear. I think that you have to be able to kind of keep your fear in check because it's something that can very easily overcome you. Our co-host, Tom Ferry, talked to Kenworthy late last month, just after he qualified for the 2018 Games. I wanted to talk to Kenworthy because I have a long time interest in kids in sports and not just because I have three kids of my own. When not co-hosting this podcast, I do research on youth sports at the Aspen Institute. And it seemed like Gus, he would have an interesting perspective. He grew up knowing he was gay at a time when that wasn't accepted in most sports, including action sports. But before we get into any of that, I wanted to know, how does he get up the courage to do what he does in slope style? It does look a little crazy when you watch it now because it's like, 
a triple cork 1440 and you're spinning four times and you're flipping three times but it's not as if you just kind of clicked on skis and then suddenly tried that you know what i mean it's uh there's a whole bunch of progression before that kenworthy says that starting with basic tricks well that was key to succeeding in freestyle skiing and getting his mom and dad comfortable with the risks my parents were watching me do it when the tricks weren't quite as scary or intimidating and the jumps were a lot smaller and so I think that it was easier for them to wrap their heads around it because it wasn't quite so dangerous and menacing and then as I developed I think that they just kind of got a level of trust and understanding that I knew what I was doing and, and that they knew that it would be okay and they've seen me through plenty of injuries so they know that it's just part of it and that I'll come out on the other end unscathed after some recovery uh but yeah i don't know i mean i think they're still scared but chardonnay has definitely helped my mom and gus he had his own private worries from early on he just felt different i think i probably first started to suspect something like that when i was really young about five but i didn't have words for it a term with it or, or really knowing anything other than just that i was different than my brothers which is a scary thing i think for a five-year-old to realize but I knew that there was something different about me and I could kind of just sense it even if I didn't know like I'm attracted to guys and that means I'm gay and this is what that means for my life and then I think when I was like a teenager I really kind of started to understand it but was too scared to accept it for myself and was in a really small town and then I turned pro as a skier when I was 16 and signed some sponsors and started traveling and I so desperately just wanted to fit in with that world that I had been working so hard to make it into that I didn't want to sort of like accept this truth about myself or acknowledge it or put any emphasis on it because I didn't want to nip my career in the bud and be done before it even fully started. So I kind of just kept it hidden for a long time and focused on skiing and tried not to deal with it. And I think that that took a toll for sure on, on my psyche and, uh, and on me. And I think that that was damaging but was just something that I felt like I needed to do at that time. Damaging in what kind of way? I mean, take me there for someone who hasn't walked in your shoes before. Well, like, on the flip side, I guess, for a straight guy, it would be, like, pretending like you liked guys and sleeping with guys just to feel accepted by other people and constantly feeling like you were going to be found out and feeling like you had to lie and lie by omission and avoiding questions. And so I was doing things I didn't want to do, hang out with girls. I mean, I know it doesn't really sound all that bad, but it was really just me going against the grain kind of, of who I am and doing things that I felt like I needed to be doing to fit in and really just not getting to be myself. And I think that that is damaging the last Olympics was hard. I mean, it was the first time being really in the spotlight in front of the world. And I got a silver medal and I was part of a podium sweep. And there was a ton of media attention. Both the other guys that I was with were good-looking American guys. There was three of us and they didn't have girlfriends. No one knew that I had a boyfriend. So it was like these three single guys and these like Olympic heartthrobs. What are, uh, what are you guys going to do now with the medal? Who are your celebrity crushes? Like, what's your ideal date with a girl? what kind of girl do you like? And it was just suddenly me feeling like I wasn't lying by omission anymore. I wasn't avoiding questions. I wasn't saying something in a small setting. I was lying in uh, interviews and on TV and it started to take a toll. I had a really guilty conscience and I felt like I was being 
just untruthful to myself, and, and I started to resent myself a lot for it. And now, Kenworthy is out on an international stage at the Olympic Winter Games. It can't be easy. He says having other LGBTQ athletes at the Games helps. He and figure skater Adam Rippon have become close, and Kenworthy sees his performance in Pyeongchang as an opportunity. The only way we can really break down stereotypes and stigmas and homophobia is just through representation. And I think that it's so easy for people to put gay people and the LGBTQ people into a box when it fits into stereotypes. But when they have people that don't necessarily fit the norm, it forces them to rethink everything that they think about gay people. And I think that just having more widespread representation is the only way that we're ever going to really have widespread acceptance. So I hope that having myself and Adam competing in the Winter Olympics and just having two out guys competing with the best in the world who happen to be straight um, shows that being gay is not a disadvantage in, in anything in sport or anything else and um, just shows that it really doesn't make a difference and hopefully makes people rethink what they think gay is. At the same time, Kenworthy wants to be known as something more than a gay athlete, just an athlete, with lessons to learn for any kid who dreams of one day competing in the Olympics. I asked him about his path to the podium, what originally motivated him. Uh, I think it was definitely like love of sport. I had this great group of friends and we all shared that same passion and we like watched ski movies, the professional guys, over and over again until the tape had worn thin. And so I think I was just really, truly in love with it. But I've also been incredibly competitive my whole life. And so I always wanted to be the best in my group of friends. And I wanted to be better than my older brothers. And I think that that was something that definitely motivated me. And my parents were super supportive. And I feel lucky that they were never the parents that pushed me and trained me and tried to get me to be the best or anything like that. Like they were very encouraging and they brought me to events and were supportive. But also, if I had been like, I don't want to ski anymore, they wouldn't have cared either. So they were just kind of like there in my corner cheering me on, but not um, like forcing my hand in any way. So what would your advice be to that parent out there who's, who's, whose kid shows some real athletic talent uh, at a very early age and now they've got to uh, guide them through the process? I mean, I guess I would just encourage any parent to... Um, support their kid in in something that they were talented at if the kid wanted to do it. And I think that kids get frustrated and they will say things like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to quit. No, you don't want to be the parent that forces their child to do something after they say they don't want to do it. But you also don't want to be like, okay, you're done. You're done. So I think it's kind of like a happy balance of, of supporting them and knowing that they can throw in the towel if they want to, but also not letting them throw in the towel just because it gets difficult. Parenting can be an art, just like coaching. And in the U.S., most youth coaches are not trained to work with kids. So I asked Kenworthy what a coach can do to create an environment that supports all kids, including those who are LGBTQ. I think that if I was a coach and I was coaching a team and had kids on the team that identified as LGBTQ or any kids that maybe didn't necessarily feel like they fit in with the rest of the team, whether it was because they were a different orientation, different gender, religion, ethnicity, anything, I think I would just try and encourage the coach to really make the team feel like a family because that's what a team is supposed to be and it's accepting everyone and, and, and loving everyone.
Tonight in primetime on NBC, Ted Ligety looks to defend his 2014 Olympic title in the men's giant slalom. And later on, Primetime Plus features the men's ski slope style final, Gus Kenworthy's specialty. Our show producer is Jonathan Hirsch. Our senior producer is Jillian Weinberger. Our executive producer is Nishat Kurwa. A special thanks today to Jelani Carter. Find more episodes of The Podium on Apple Podcasts. You can watch the Winter Olympics on the networks of NBC, and you can stream every event live on NBCOlympics.com and the NBC Sports app. I'm Lauren Shahadi. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.